0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
0: You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Locked On Jazz for the first of September. September! It's at least the month in which training camp starts. We'll talk about Kevin Pelton picking the Jazz third in the West in real plus minus plus here from KP. Also, we'll walk down a few other interesting things in the NBA. Great podcast I picked up some notes on. And how much of the Jazz team do you expect to change over the next three years? That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Ba-dum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum. How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. You guys are awesome again. Unbelievable. So I have in front of me an incredible amount of emails telling me what this show, in a paragraph, what the show means. So thank you very much as we try to... Build out the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, I, If you missed it at the end of the show the other day, I, for those who stuck around for the whole show, I just asked, like, if you don't mind sending me a note that says, what is it? Uh, that locked on, like if what I wrote a paragraph about what I thought we did well and why you might listen, and so then I was basically asking you to do the same uh, and kind of give me an idea of what it is that mattered to you and why and that. So that's the, that was the gist of that. So I hope, hope you liked that, or I appreciate you. I don't think you probably liked doing it, but I it was helpful to me. So thank you very much. Great. Hey, uh, I'm going to talk about it coming up here, but if you're a basketball junkie, which you probably are, uh, Locked on Box did a podcast with a guy who I didn't know, um, kind of embarrassed, that uh, writes a real GM. I guess he trained some players in uh, Arizona, and I had I had never heard of him uh, before. His name is Brett Kormanos, and it's terrific. I mean, it's really, really good. Um So if, you know, if you get a chance and you're looking for something else today, uh, the Locked On, probably better than anything I'll give you today, the Locked On Bucks podcast with Brett Cormos. I listened to part two, I haven't listened to part one yet, I'm going to go do it today, uh, was really, really good. Pac-12 fans, Utes open tonight against Southern Utah. Uh, The Locked On Pac-12 podcast is back with Ian Furness this year. So that is available to you. Do you know what time it is? It's time to do pins across the world. This is where you email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and you share with me where you listen to the program from and how you became a jazz fan. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. I have been a jazz fan my whole life, says Seth Decker. I grew up in Panguitch, Utah, played junior jazz. I got to meet the big dog, and he got me even more hooked. Obviously, I enjoyed watching Stockton Malone, but Carr and Adam Keefe were the guys I loved to watch. Can I share a quick story here? My favorite Adam Keefe story of all time, Stanford educated. Adam Keefe, who I'm really surprised, by the way, hasn't run for political office yet because uh, I always thought that's something he was going to do. Uh, and He was so close with Senator Hatch when he was here. But nonetheless, um, he uh, one day I was talking to him. He's like, i got to go in for a contract negotiation. Do you think I should just t- say, hey, am I an average player? And they would say yes. And then I would say, okay, I'll take the average salary, which was probably, you know, one-fifth of what it is today. Anyway, all right, let's go back to Seth Decker's Pins Across the World. I have memories of when I was young, my dad yelling for me to come watch Uh, because Keith checked in. I just appreciate how hard he worked. I have listened to Tip-Off since day one. I've listened to every single episode, and now I make it a point to make sure I never miss one. I live in Richfield, Utah now. I haven't had cable for three years. Radio isn't an option in southern Utah. The reason for telling you this is because I'm truly grateful for your dedication with listening to you on Audio League Pass, and Tip-Off, you are my connection to jazz. My job entails driving a lot, so enjoyable part of the day is listening to Locked on Jazz. I have become a bigger fan because my wife thinks I'm addicted. She He is probably right. Uh, He says he enjoys two things, skiing and the Jazz. So that is from Seth Decker. And Seth, I hope the Lockdown Podcast Network has given you a little bit more uh, out there. All right, it's time for a tip-off story of the day. And it's got to be Kevin Pelton and Real Plus Minus picking the Jazz, third in the Western Conference behind only San Antonio and uh, Golden State. All right, let, let's do first. I had Pelton on Locked on NBA this week. If you haven't heard it already, it's available for you at Locked on NBA. And, or Locked on NBA. And uh, here is what Pelton had to say in regards to why he picked the Jazz, and then we'll dissect uh, You have Utah as third. I think mo- we, we've not talked about that yet. I think most people read this, and that was the stunner. I would guess that for most fans across the country, when they got this, and they said, okay, you project the Warriors to win 67 and the Spurs to win 54. 54- Utah, why is Utah third? I think that that in itself, that the Clippers were not three, that Utah was three, that to me, I would guess, is one of the biggest surprises if you're a fan seeing this. How is that possible?
1: Yeah, people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that, and I think it's largely because of the fact that they're looking at Utah as this 40 win team that wasn't good enough to make the playoffs last year, whereas advanced stats are looking at them as team came ahead the fifth best point differential in the Western Conference ahead of four teams that made the playoffs, including the Portland Trailblazers. and uh, so starting at the baseline of a 46 win team as opposed to a 40 win team, and then adding on top of that getting Eggham back, uh, adding George Hill, you know, I think it's probably driving the biggest increase in that in the RPM standpoint, but also Joe Johnson and Boris Tiao. So all of that, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they they're. I don't think they're the third best team in the West. As I mentioned, I still think the Clippers are probably belonging in that spot, but I do think they're number four, and I, I think a, a solid favorite to have home court advantage in the West.
0: So wait a second, you're viewing them as a 46-win team, so you actually think all the moves they made only make them a win and a half better?
1: well, you're still going to have some regression to the mean built into that. So, you know, you can't can't quite compare past wins to projected wins in in that same way. But, yeah, it it actually probably is less about the offseason moves they made and more about the fact that they were just a better team last year than their their record indicated.
0: Who on the Jazz is better in real plus minus than people realize?
1: You know, I I mean, I think most of the guys who drive their RPM are the guys who get most of the credit as a— you know, Rodney Hood has never rated quite, or no, I guess say an RPM he does. I'm sorry, that's, uh, that's in the box score stats. He doesn't fare as well. So not, not really anyone, I think, who's, who's tremendously surprising. Like, you know, I guess the, the one guy would be Jeff Whiffey, who had really impressive RPM numbers last year in his limited minutes off the bench.
0: All right, that's kind of interesting on a lot of levels. The withy comment I'm sure will fuel a lot. We can talk about it. But so I, what, what jumped out to me there is that we're really basing a lot of why they think the Jazz are going to be good, that they were much better last year than they performed. It's the back to losing all of those close games. There's a little bit there that makes me nervous. And that is part of the reason the Jazz, I think, had such good... Differential is how hard they played uh, they didn't get blown out very often and they played hard every night and they stayed in games every night and so they were thus they 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 had a better plus minus um, than most places so that that to me is makes me a little nervous on whether or not uh, some of that's really legitimate. The other one that was surprising to me, and I, I guess Kevin's answer is that the predictions regress you to the mean so that by bumping you back up is a sign that, but that George Hill and Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw don't, didn't move his meter that much. That's that's a little surprising to me. I would say I think third in the West is a bit much. I mean, the way it happens is makes sense. They become a top five defensive team in the league, and then they're a little bit, and then they're, that's it, right? That's actually all it takes. Um, if you become top five in the league offensively or defensively, you win a lot of games and you're really high. And they're third or fourth. If they can be top five defensively, then they probably are third or fourth um, in the conference. And if they stay healthy, plus last year's differential, it would seem that they would move up. And then you add George Hill and you add Joe Johnson. Right. I mean, so that's it, – it, it. it's not crazy – um, I do think it's going to be a little bit more of a quagmire in there than his projection said. I don't think that I think the Jazz are going to break through the Clippers uh, or the Spurs. and I'm, Though I'm curious to see what the Spurs are like without Duncan. And I'm not sure that I really think that the Jazz are going to be head and shoulders better than Houston, who I think is going to be top five offensively. Um, and some of you know maybe Portland in there with Dame and what they've done. Though I don't, I didn't love their off season, but obviously they're going to be pretty good. Be interesting. The the other part to this conversation with Kevin, which you can hear on Locked in NBA, some of it was really interesting. Was um, is I didn't like Memphis when we did the Pack stuff, and we'll do more of the Pack stuff coming up uh, as well. Uh, I didn't like Memphis and Pack, and I and he didn't like them in his system, which is probably more advanced than which is more advanced than mine. Not probably. Uh, the Jeff Wiffy things. Interesting comment. I mean, Jeff. I think Jeff. I think Jeff Withy earned confidence from Quinn Snyder last year that he may get more time, and you may see uh, some more action coming from Withy. The problem is that really the Jazz view um, the Jazz really have a hard time viewing favors Withy and favors together. I think is what's preventing preventing that from happening. So in other words, what they really view Withy as is a backup to Gobert, which accurately. But then what gets tricky there is that you end up with Favors playing a lot of center minutes. And so often to play Withy means to not play Favors or to not play Gobert. And that's an area where I just... You're not going to play Gobert and and Withy together. And so it's really whether you're going to play Favors and uh, Gobert together. And and that's the, excuse me, Favors and Withy together. And that's where I just think the Jazz are not quite as, that doesn't seem to me to be something that they really want to do, I guess is what I'm saying. So, you know, uh, and, and then, so then how do you get Jeff Minutes? Because if you're trying to get, Trey Lyles a bunch of minutes and Boris Diaw plays some small minutes. Then, as good as he is, and as good as Jeff Withy was at times last year, I'm not sure wh- where you get those minutes. Um, and I and I do think Jeff Withy has probably earned the right to him. And I think Quinn Snyder would probably agree, and the plus minus numbers uh, that were talked about probably uh, make it even more so that uh, that they agree. So it, it's. It's a tough one on wherewith he gets those minutes uh, in the process. All right, uh, I thought this was that pod, the podcast, uh, that Bucks podcast I was talking about. Um, they had some really interesting stuff on Jabari Parker um, and kind of the skill set he needs to develop to play with Giannis. And a lot of the conversation that this guy had was how you've got to use the player's skills. To compliment their teammates and how to use them. And it was buck centric, so that, you know, in that sense, if you really got to be a junkie to like it. But uh, I thought it was interesting, he talked about the Spurs offensive system and how the Spurs player development takes guys like Danny Green, who got there, who never could run a pick and roll in their lives or play with the ball in their hands, and they turn them into somebody who can. And that what the beauty of the Spurs is, is the versatility and multiple functions that every player in their system can play. Now, they went away from it last year to become a little bit more of a post-up team, but just in general, and, you, and when you're saying it, I'm thinking about the Jazz, and and we've talked about this a lot, but it's just incredible. You've got George Hill, Gordon Hayward, Rodney Hood, all can run the pick and roll well. Dante should be able to run the pick and roll well. Joe Johnson as your four can run the pick and roll well. Joe Ingles as the four can play with the ball in his hands. Boris Diaz as the five can play with the ball in his hands. Trey Lyles throughout Summer League, all they did with him was had him play with the ball in his hands. Uh, Alec Burks is probably, ironically enough, has got to get Probably the one who I'm not including in this conversation because I'm not always convinced that Alec plays with the ball in his hands in a way that's beneficial to his teammates. I think he's terrific. And um, I actually think Alec's going to have a pretty good year. He's, you know, The pressure on him is really low, and, and he's really pretty darn good. Uh, I mean, that's where I start getting really excited about how good we are is when I start realizing that a guy like Alec is sitting there as possibly your fourth wing in, in the process. Uh, but I, I thought this conversation you know, focused on the Spurs, but I'm putting the focus back on the Jazz, was really an eye-opening, interesting uh, conversation just about what the Spurs did was they created, before they became post-up-centric with Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, was this functionality with all their players. And the Jazz will have that in this upcoming year uh, as well. Interesting piece by SBNation.com, or SB Nation. They obviously do fabulous work. About the fact that 80% of NBA teams' rosters change over three years. 80% of NBA teams' rosters change over three years. So if you look at our roster of 15 players, it would tell you that in three years only three of our guys are left. Who are those three? Who would they be? If we're only going to have three players left in three years, who's your guess? It's crazy, isn't it? Now, I think we'd hope that we have more than that and that some other teams have 90%, and so then that happens. Uh, Around the league, Chris Bosch practicing. And sounds as though they're looking to having him in training camp. Makes things pretty exciting. Uh, The... Noah Vonley, out three to four weeks. So that'll impact his training camp a little bit. Camp, if we open October 3rd, camp should open the week before across the league. I would expect we'll see some sort of uh, announcement about that upcoming here uh, in the near future. And So it's getting, I mean, we're sitting here. It's September 1. We're going to actually open camp. Jazz players are coming to town Many of them will be in town. Last year, they all kind of came in right after Labor Day. This is becoming pretty common practice around the NBA. You can't have organized practice. Quinn can't be sitting there running drills. They can't have it structured. But got, teams are getting together as uh, in you know September. Some of the veterans come a little bit later and get themselves ready. Uh, but more than that, you're seeing teams coming in. Players coming into town post-Labor Day, and the Jazz will be uh, no different. So, you know, I'll probably talk to you next on Tuesday the 6th, and then after I do tip-off, I'll probably go down and watch Open Gym if it's going on and see if see if guys are in, if we have our first open gym of the year uh, on the 6th and get it rolling. All right, I'm going to start today prepping various teams around the league. So each day I'll give you a little bit of what's going on. Kevin Pelton is doing player profiles right now that are really good. So all of that is out there for you. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Uh, on the Locked on Podcast Network, there's a lot of stuff. Locked on NFL with Matt Williamson is really, really good. Uh, hope you've been enjoying that. Your favorite NFL team hopefully is up. We only have five teams left on the NBA and five teams left on the NFL. Not all of the uh, Dunn podcasts have been announced. Uh, but those are all up there. Uh, out there, if you're a Packer fan or Bronco fan, they're all there for you. Niners fan, John Lund's doing amazing work uh, with Locked On Niners. Uh, and covered the Kaepernick story really, really well. Uh, so if whatever it is that you have out there that you watch, that's your team, it should be, and then I would suggest that Locked on Bucks podcast uh, was quite good. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, jazz season tickets are available. Go to utahjazz.com or call 801-325-DUNK. Talk to you later. Or 355-DUNK. 355-DUNK. Talk to you later. Bye.